0: The macro picture of of this idea of post-traumatic growth. It's not pretending like everything's great. Look at all the great things I learned from this awful experience. But it's not pretending, you know, that it's that it's all one or all the other. It's like where can we look for? Okay, there are some cool things that have come out of this pandemic. You know, we're we're on Zoom right now, and it's funny whenever I load up Zoom, it says. There's that little ad at the top that's like, love Zoom, like tell a friend 30% off. It's like, no, none of us love Zoom. But I think about just little things like, you know, like our family actually practices mindfulness together now a lot more. I think about that first Halloween, they did the candy shoots. Let's keep candy shoots. I don't want to walk up and down the stairs every time kids come up to the porch. (laughs) This is great, this is easy. Let's hang on to that.
1: Welcome to the Break the Chains, Find Your Flame podcast. My name is Steve Wopolonik. I'm a licensed mental health counselor and one of the founders of the Promethean Project. Our guests are people who have broke the chains of their limitations and found the strength of their potential. We offer their stories as inspiration and as guidance to help others navigate their quest to find their flame. Welcome back to the podcast as always your host Steve Volponic excited to offer you this new episode today episode 79 so today's guest is also a return guest this week we have Dr for Dr Fur. we have Dr Christopher Willard coming back on the podcast to offer insight and gems of wisdom on mindfulness all things related to this what is mindfulness what isn't mindfulness and does it even matter if it's mindfulness or not if it works. Originally, we were going to call this episode Christopher Willard 2 because this is his second podcast, and he has a book coming out called Alpha Breaths 2, T-O-O, pun intended, which is why we were going to pun with the title. But in talking with Chris, we found that there's a lot of interesting stuff that he's doing, and we got really in-depth in what's called post-traumatic growth. In his new book coming out on post-traumatic growth. So the name of the episode is Post-Traumatic Growth, and it deals with exactly what you think, resiliency, and how growth can actually come from post-traumatic events. Now, this is not toxic positivity, but it is something that's really important. So I'm so excited to have this podcast for y'all to listen to, because I think this is a really important thing in any period of time to, to listen to and pay attention to, but especially now. So I don't want to ruin it with more information i just want you all to hear his gems of wisdom so without further ado here's dr christopher willard in a world where humanity's potential is
0: imprisoned and locked away our only hope is to break the chains and find our flame
1: Well, we're back with a new episode, and we have a return guest. We haven't had too many return guests. Uh, this is our second one. The one we've had before was our last podcast. He's been on five times. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, sir, are our second guest that's returned. And we're super happy to have Dr. Christopher Willard back with us today. Welcome, Chris.
0: Thank you. It's great to be back. Yeah, hopefully I won't just repeat whatever I said last time, but uh, I think we'll have a good conversation. <laughs> so. Yeah, it was so
1: long ago. I think that people need refreshers anyways, right? And so, <laughs> so it's nice. Yeah. And yeah. I think we're both at a different point in our, our lives than, you know, that was I can't remember if that was pre-COVID or during COVID. It must have been before COVID, I think. COVID. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I had just seen you speak in, in, uh, in Boston. Oh, uh, the wow. meditation seminar went like shortly after is when we recorded. So definitely a lifetime ago. <laughs> oh <my laughs> I know, God. right? Oh my gosh! Just yeah. in a room like that, and it's like, oh wow, i it feels so foreign now to to be in a place like that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So welcome back. You've been really busy over the last <laughs> couple of years, right? As always. Yeah. Uh, so I'm really excited <laughs> to dive into that and kind of see what's to store, what's in store for all of us with your books and. Uh, your knowledge based on mindfulness and just awesomeness in general. Um, I almost wore a Wu-Tang shirt because I you you posted a couple of pictures with it, but I wore my therapy is dope shirt instead. Um, Chris, can you, just for, just for the listeners who may be new, can you just kind of give a quick summation of who you are, what you do and, you know, all that fun stuff.
0: So. yeah absolutely i was just introducing myself earlier and thinking my, my my bio seems to go in 15 different directions now um i'm by, by training i'm a clinical psychologist um so i my, my day job is sitting with people doing therapy yeah. um and then my my side hustles are, are are legion i do uh i do a lot of writing i write books for little kids i write books for grown-ups um i do uh, meditation and mindfulness and self-compassion workshops for people. I also do trainings for for therapists who um, you know want to learn more about mindfulness, or educators who want to learn more about mindfulness and self-regulation. I um, I'm a I'm a dad. I've got a eight year old and a four year old that keep me extremely busy. Um, I teach at Harvard Med School. I um i do it on a few different online courses um these days I'm, I'm back to being on the road traveling which i love just teaching mindfulness in other places other cultures is kind of fascinating and amazing to me right um and just some other fun little mindfulness side hustles i was recently talking to a a private space company about mindfulness in space, which is kind of amazing. Oh, wow. like, I don't know how like this is all landing in my lap, but I, <laughs> I'm like the luckiest person in the world that I get to do all this cool stuff and sometimes get paid for it. So it's, it's pretty amazing and talk to interesting people like you. So yeah, that's I, like, awesome.
1: Yeah. I was just I just got an email for the new online program that that you're running growing that up was. mindful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was reading through your bio on that. And I loved how you kind of led with just all this, this background, then you're like, Oh, yeah, I am also a dad, which is (laughs) like a main tenant of that program. And so I I like that I a long time ago, had someone on the podcast, but also learned to do um, yoga as a 12 step program from Uh Nikki Myers. She's awesome. Uh And when she came on, she talked a lot about um, this concept of and And Mm -hmm. really just saying, I'm this, I'm this, and I'm this, and this. And so all aspects of self. So I really like how you diversified (laughs) all all those areas of life. We
0: contain multitudes. (laughs)
1: Right, exactly cool so space are you are you gonna go up or are you thinking oh you no i, I don't space? know i don't know it
0: hasn't gotten that far the conversation i think i'm just gonna do some hopefully just do some think about kind of creating some research around that around astronauts and um and then some some trainings around uh yeah just kind of performance and staying calm when you're you know like you know shooting up into space with, <laughs> you know flames coming out the back side of you at you know a million miles an hour so i don't know we'll see whether there's an invitation i'm kind of kind of hoping for one um yeah. to tag along <laughs> but we'll see whether that ends up being part of it or not but yeah it's just like how did this land about it's just uh, yeah i don't know my life is so <laughs> it's just,
1: it's it's great it's that yeah, is really awesome so yeah my daughter asks me that all the time she'll ask me random questions like that hey would you ever go up in space and (laughs) you know the inner child of me is like yeah of course and then there's this pragmatic adult that's like would i be okay with being in space (laughs) totally that's where i am too i'm like yeah my
0: inner eight-year-old is like absolutely and then i'm like i don't that's i'm a dad i don't know is that a safe thing to do it's like is that what's the carbon footprint of that anyway and you know
1: yeah (laughs) i kind of think of that movie that came out i think in the 90s the abyss right Uh and i think of that too It's like oh there's this cool thing that they find spoiler alert they find life at the bottom of the ocean that's majestic and beautiful and i asked myself in in this way would i that's a fun movie to watch but would i ever do that and i think the water one is a definite no i don't think i would (laughs) would go that far into the ocean but maybe space that's so funny because
0: this came up in the in some of these space conversations like you know like do these sort of like non-space missions of like go deep into a cave or go deep underwater i'm like I think that would freak me out more than actually going into outer space, like going five miles under the ocean, like that. I think is maybe more terrifying.
1: Um, Yeah, I think (laughs) I blame practice, quote unquote. I blame Jaws for that. Really, you know. (laughs) I think that was a movie my parents let me watch way too early in life. I think I was seven or eight when I first saw Jaws, and you know just very, very much loved that movie, but very, very aware of possible shark attacks at any any drop of water <laughs> that's near me. Right, right, the bathtub, <laughs> doing the dishes. Yeah, I legitimately uh-huh. had a fear when I was learning to swim in a pool because they had a huge grate on the bottom. Uh-huh. I thought like, oh, what if Jaws comes through there? And there was a shark painted at the bottom of the, of the pool. And so, yeah. 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 I think sp- space I might do, an oh. underwater journey probably not <laughs> yeah 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 i'm with you i'm with you <laughs> so uh mindfulness so i am sure you get asked this a lot and i think it's something that comes up a lot in the work i do as a therapist and you know talking about meditation and mindfulness and things of that nature but for anyone who's listening could you kind of give us a, a quick summation of your understanding of that term and what it means and implementation in life
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think it kind of, whenever I find a definition, and there's so many out there, they they all tend to have these same three kind of parts. Like, one is paying attention or being aware. One is being in the present moment, being in the here and now, being a part of the definition. And then the last is something about acceptance and non-judgment or kindness and curiosity, and trying to do this all on purpose. And we put some aspect of these all together, and we get something like mindfulness. And, um, and so it's, you know, I, I think whether we practice this formally or not, we've all probably had some experiences of of stumbling into this in our right. lives. I I think about this as, you know, like just like watching the clouds on a beautiful day, um, you know, like looking at the stars, you know, and feeling some wonder and awe, looking at the sunset over the ocean and, you know, not from the bottom of the ocean, um, but the, maybe from the bottom of the ocean. Right, but these these kinds of experiences that, that we've all had that we can relate to. And it's trying to deliberately cultivate more of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Where we're not like, oh my gosh, this is got the pandemic's never gonna end, this terrible thing's gonna happen next week, or you know, being stuck in the past, you know, which, you know, as you and I as therapists, it's like whether that's a trauma or neglect, or whether it's just, you know, like kind of like regret and shame and embarrassment of why did I say that stupid thing? Like that 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 when we're in the present. We tend to be letting go of those different comparisons and stories and things like that, and um, and we feel better. <laughs> and yeah. then and then we go back to the future again. We go back to the past again. But we start to teach ourselves to stay a bit more present. And it really, you know, it's the the science of it is magical, but the experience of it is even more magical. I think mm-hmm. for those of us that that have learned how to practice,
1: yeah. And I think last time we spoke, you you said something to me I've I've really internalized a lot and thought about. And you said, I believe you said something along the lines of uh not everything is mindfulness, but pretty much everything can be done mindfully. Mm. Mm-hmm. hmm
0: I believe that. And I, I think, you know, it's it's such an interesting question. I was just doing some more writing about this, but this sort of like one of the things I really love about my work is traveling and around the country, around the world, and people just coming up in different places and being like, you know, in an Argentina some being like, is you know, can tango be <laughs> mindfulness or can like drumming be mindfulness? And it's like, you know, they can be done mindfully for one thing, but they're also just like beautiful practices that can right. be really healing. And it's okay that they're not mindfulness. And and um and, and I think the way I learned mindfulness was from Thich Nhat Han, who recently Died, transitioned, whatever you want to kind of call it, but um, you know he he really brought this idea of just bringing this mindful, compassionate awareness to everything we do, like whether it's walking, you know, breathing, having conversations with people eating, you know, like sitting in a really boring meeting at work, can we bring presents? <laughs> you know, okay, I was talking about this in a talk last night, like watching your kid fill and empty the box over and over again. <laughs> As a parent, can you try to be mindfully aware of that in a compassionate, caring, open hearted way, right? That, that that to me is then this really beautiful gift of how do we how do we bring mindfulness to everything we do? And that that's a practice we can do anywhere, not just sitting on a cushion, being still and being quiet and and all of that, but but then it becomes you know this really beautiful way to live our lives philosophically speaking, and, and 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 has just as powerful an effect as sitting on our cushion silently focusing on our breath or something that's
1: important but kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. But I I think it's it's a weird juxtaposition when you because when you start like focusing on mindfulness or meditation in general, mm-hmm. right? Like the idea is, oh, am I doing this right? And that. Yeah act in itself pulls you away from that achieving Mm -hmm. that status or that that way of viewing things yeah absolutely yeah yeah i just had a funny post i did on social media recently i was doing a meditation i was thinking a lot about meditation and mindfulness and how they interreact like you're saying sitting on a cushion and everyone kind of creates this idea of oh this is how you practice it Mm -hmm. But I kind of liken it to like Green Lantern and Mm -hmm. Green Lantern's power is that you have this battery source, which is the meditation, right? Uh Like You practice this meditation that allows you to sit and build that window of tolerance and be still and focus on your breath and be present. But that's that you don't necessarily have to do that all the time to kind of reach a lifestyle that that is cultivated in the way that we're talking about but it is an energy source to practice mindfulness for the rest of the day or the rest of the week, depending on how often you do, because then you can take that and bring it into real life application. Like we're talking off of yeah. off of that mat, off of sitting still. And yeah. I think uh, just like Green Lantern, he's got the, the ring or <laughs> they've got the ring cause it's a whole core. And, um, but he has to charge that up with that energy. So. Right, right,
0: yeah. Yeah. And I do feel like like it, it, it you know, that and, and as I talk about this often, I'm talking about kind of mindful parenting and stuff. But like as a parent, like I have not had a lot of charge up, sit on my cushion time these last eight years. Like I was getting a few and then I like, go, oh, my, my daughter's born. OK, it goes out the window again. Right. Like, yep. like and and yet the years i did have on the cushion or the days that i do get a chance to sit like you know it it adds up it lasts like it 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 sticks around like Mm -hmm. i still catch myself you know like i think that time i have spent on my cushion in more formal ways like it it allows me to be a little bit more self-aware and to catch myself before my thought stream you know goes goes too far all that kind of thing so it really does yeah charge us up yeah yeah i think that's a great way of thinking about it
1: yeah I I think when people talk about meditation, they always talk about consistency and Mm -hmm. it's a lot like that old saying of um, you'd be a jack of all trades, master of none, which Uh is a quote that we hear all the time. I uh, actually in session recently, a client brought this up to me because we were talking about this and he he was saying that quote goes on. People don't realize that quote goes on. It's not just, oh, you have to be Uh Uh, you know, if you dabble in everything, you can never be a master. I think it didn't, I'm going to mess this up. So maybe I'll fact check in the the introduction when I post the (laughs) podcast, but um, he was saying to me that the quote goes on to kind of say, but that's still better than not doing anything. Right. And so I I think that's really (laughs) apropos to what we're talking about is like, yeah, people talk about consistency with meditation And that's how you, Mm -hmm. you know, cultivate that practice. But then also life gets in the way. And if you kind of say, well, I can't meditate at all. It's not worth it. You kind of throw a lot of stuff out that would be beneficial. But if you say, oh, let me, when I can, let me do it. That charge holds on for a while. Yeah. So it's not as black and white as I think, you know, people think it is when they go to a formal practice of meditation or even martial arts or things of that nature. Right
0: actually i like that the idea of like you know that that charge holds on that charge does not just hold on with us it also like holds on like one of the things that's that's kind of been amazing to me is is the ways that mindfulness is contagious and the charge holds on to us but then it it hits our kids and our and our partners and our colleagues and Mm -hmm. these other people in our lives and and during the pandemic you know we were all cooped up you know and and then i was reading about like the ways that mindfulness and, and emotions in general are contagious but like you know, wow, has it been important to have some kind of practice, because it actually does. Like when a parent practices, like the kids are calmer, like when people are living together, when roommates practice, like one roommate practices, the other roommates happier, even if they don't know that that roommate is practicing mindful, like, it's mm-hmm. like the charge, actually the, the the electrical charge has this field around it that, that impacts everybody in this kind of amazing way of settling everyone's nervous system down. In. Boy, have we needed that? Boy, do we
1: need that? <laughs> For sure. <laughs> in our society.
0: Oh my gosh. Like, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of mind blowing when you look at it that, that just like that theory of co regulation comes mm-hmm. from, from that cultivation, like you're talking about, and how it bleeds in. And if 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 listeners have kids, you can see this very directly in just how yeah. you engage with them, right? You can see when yeah. they're dysregulated, if you approach in a regulated way, quote unquote, regulated way, therapeutic talk, right? Um, they respond differently than if you go and why why are you doing this you shouldn't feel this emotion kind of way which you know we all do occasionally because we're we're humans and you know we're not constantly regulated um you're not (laughs) (laughs) not yet i i'm working on it that's my journey (laughs) journey through life is to achieve buddhahood you know um but you know i think that's it's very important to kind of talk about is this that yeah. like these emotions that we have, these feelings that we have go beyond just our our cognitions. They they kind of tie into our physicality, but then also our environment and who we're around mm-hmm. and that charge that we've used charge a lot so far in this podcast. <laughs> but it's true, right? Like that yeah. that energetic frequency that we all everything kind of inhabits makes sense. Right. Absolutely absolutely yeah yeah. I've been blown away by that um, in one of the trainings I was doing we saw co-regulation between animals and, and humans and they did a study I can't remember I'll try to find the link and put it in the show notes but they did a study with uh, humans and dogs um, and their therapeutic relationship and they separated them and had heart rate monitors on them when they were separated uh-huh. and you could see their heart rate variability just all over the place separated uh-huh. Then they brought them back, and the heart rate started to sink. Uh huh. Nature, obviously, not um, fully kind of realized exactly what it is, but it's a good thing to to watch when we're talking about co-regulation in general, in yeah. therapeutic animal relationships.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's amazing as like I, because I, I, you know, I've always been a little bit of a skeptic, but then more and more as I kind of like learn about animals and just sort of like and 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 watching my kids like we don't have any pets but like you know like my son you know went to camp at this farm nearby like watching just how much it sort of settles him down and he settles the animals and they settle him and like it's just it's it's it is kind of amazing and and then thinking about like well of course that's true human to human i totally believe that but it's like yeah animals definitely do that for us too and they become you know like learning a little bit about you know sort of the ways that you know they, they can become a nervous system in some ways and like have the bigger reaction so that the human can then settle their own nervous system for you know and and the, mm-hmm. the animal can be hypervigilant, but the human can be remain calm like it, it is kind of fascinating i don't need mean, need mean to go down this path because i don't know much more about it than that but it, it no it was, it,
1: yeah, yeah. i mean it's a really good thought exercise to think about right yeah like yeah. just that like exactly what you were just talking about yeah that thought of saying, oh, if I'm home alone, but my dog is with me, right? I can have some comfort in that the dog is with me and they're gonna let me know if something's going wrong or they can kind of sense if any danger comes near and can react that way. Yeah. And so even if danger is not there, that simple premise can, can be really regulated. Right, right, yeah, absolutely. We're going all over the place. <laughs> <other> place. <laughs> we got space. We got animals. We got <laughs> we <get> the abyss <laughs> is in there. JAWS is in there, you know? Um, a really interesting thing I wanted to talk to you with just on a personal level of that. So I know we've talked before and we've talked about mindfulness, but I just started the process of certification in eye movement desensitization reprocessing therapy, Yeah, um, which I wanted to say it outright once so people will know <laughs> what we're referencing if we say emdr yeah. later on because it's a mouthful to repeat um and what i found was that married really well with like some of the training and background and mindfulness and this idea of as we were talking about jumping in the past or the future mm-hmm. but using techniques that ground to bring mindfulness in there and so uh, just a quick. A summation of that is using bilateral stimulation in the body, either mm-hmm. through eye movement, tapping, auditory or sensory kind of processing grounds the person into the here and now when they bring up something from the past or the future that can be really triggering to help their nervous system relearn yeah. and regulate. Um, and I just, you know, yeah. when I started it, because I just thought it'd be a great thing to add to the work I do. And mm-hmm. but Every part of the training was like, oh yeah, this is mindfulness. This it makes sense that this is kind of coming out and how it connects to the, these different different ways. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I don't, I don't know that much about EMDR. I know that a lot of people have found it immensely helpful. Um, and what I find interesting is also looking at like what what are the ways that we also that that, that again like the bilateral stimulation, anyway, like naturally exists, right? Whether it's in, you know, walking and putting our left foot and then our right foot forward, or whether it's listening to music in stereo, right, right. as we've been able to do for the last 30 or 40 years, you know, on you know, uh, in, you know, beyond that, of course, you know, as well, or just other other kinds of practices, cultural practices, dances, right, you know, drumming, things like this, that also, you know, maybe have some of this bilateral element to it that are that are so healing, again, Is it mindfulness? Is it not mindfulness? Maybe it is, maybe it's not, but it's definitely healing. And there's definitely a lot of overlap, a lot of parallels. The the Venn diagram overlaps so much here um, with so many different practices that we can do. And I think that's really, that's really cool and exciting that that regulate our nervous systems and then also can help us to co-regulate. You know, again, to you know, go back to that, but like, you know, co-regulating with we talked about co-regulating with animals, but I think about you know, how, how walking together is so regulating, which as therapists, some of us did more of, like with our clients, <laughs> we we're, were scared to be inside, right? Or like walking with with friends, just how much easier it is sometimes. I think especially for men like you and I as guys, like not to massively stereotype, but that it can be easier to just like walk side by side, which is bilateral stimulation, which is also regulating to walk, which is also, mm-hmm. you know, co-regulating with someone else to find the right pace of of however we're walking, like all these things are kind of amazing in terms of self-regulation and co-regulation, or of course, drumming, or of course, singing, or of course, dance. These are, you have to be co-regulated to be doing these things. And maybe there's a bilateral element and maybe there's a mindfulness. El- like it's, yep. I mean, I find all of this, it's like, you know, again, it's so easy to go off on a tangent. I apologize. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> it's like, a, it's all the same, man. okay.
1: Well, calm. it's like that Bruce Lee quote, like <laughs> use what works and what doesn't. Yes discard right like this this idea of doesn't matter what it's called as long as you're getting a benefit from it (laughs) yeah i I gotta show you something hold on i'm gonna use my camera but you mentioned drumming a couple times this was gifted Uh to me from my cousin and i have it over in the corner i have this electric (laughs) drum set (laughs) awesome i'm starting to use it to do some like emdr work with uh with younger kids Uh, that's really cool so they can kind of buy into it but it's funny when you mentioned emdr and you say well you know walking left foot right foot that's yeah. my understanding from what i've read and the training that i've gone through that's how it came, came about is uh-huh. uh, shapiro who created it was walking and thinking of these distressing things and realized after the walk they weren't as charged uh-huh. uh, as much uh-huh. and um so through that process like they call it the orienting process which is where yeah. the eye movement comes in is she noticed that because she was walking, her eyes would constantly move back and forth to kind of assess the situation wow. and ground into what was, um, you know, present. Yeah. And that was how that idea of EMDR came up. So it's it's kind of funny that you went right to, <laughs> right to walking. <laughs> there we go. All these connections, drumming, walking, whatever works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So I had mentioned earlier that you've been busy, so. Do you want to kind of let the listen, listeners know um, what projects you've had over the last couple of years? There's a couple that I'm really excited about, so I'm sure you'll get to them, but if not, I'll...
0: yeah, it's been really fun. I mean, I've, I've been doing more online trainings, you know, because the pandemic and, and that's been really fun. And it, one of the things I like about that is, um, you know, as someone that used to travel a lot and now am traveling again but you know as we, as i mentioned just sort of like thinking about like how how does mindfulness translate across cultures um and across languages and across disciplines and and that kind of thing so having this online course where there's like you know it's, i've been keeping it small but each time i've done it like 25 people but it's like there's people from indonesia and iran and sri lanka and ireland and israel and south america like it's just it's just so cool kind of Getting to know people in these in these different ways, so that's been really awesome. Just to kind of you know hear from people from different different places and kind of get get different reflections and understandings of of mindfulness. And the other thing that started to happen in the pandemic was I I went from traveling a lot and doing workshops about sort of specifically mindfulness was suddenly being asked to sit on Zoom and do workshops about resilience, about trauma, about um, you know, these kinds of topics. And what got me really excited, which is kind of a weird thing to say, but but as, as I was, you know, starting to suddenly try to teach myself more and more about trauma and, and how is this pandemic going to affect us, was that when these big events happen, what surprised me is that actually what's more likely to happen for most people is what we call post-traumatic growth rather than post-traumatic stress. And I was just like, well, am I reading this right? Like, <laughs> this is kind of amazing. And And post-traumatic growth is actually very much what you know what what one might imagine it is it's it's that we go through difficult times and we often come out stronger we come out wiser we come out better in many ways more connected more compassionate um than than when we went in and and i want to be careful and not sort of like you know say you've experiencing something bad you know turn it into a you know silver lining or some kind of toxic positivity thing like that because the truth is you know, that, that actually post-traumatic stress and post-traumatic growth can happen at the same time, right. which is actually kind of interesting to, to think about. But but it was really interesting to kind of try to see, like, well, what are the ways that we can start to cultivate more of this kind of post-traumatic growth thing? And, and so much of that is trauma-informed mindfulness, is, um, is, is self-compassion. Is other kinds of practices that help strengthen us in our bodies, strengthen us in our, our 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 kind of mental and emotional strength, and also strengthening our relationships. And I think so much in terms of what is it that makes humans thrive? and to me, it's like it's um you know the, the biopsychosocial model of mental illness, but also the biopsychosocial model of thriving. And so where can we bring mindfulness and compassion to our bodies to Make them stronger to help us be more aware of our bodies, to be more comfortable in our bodies. We think about the ways that the trauma, quote unquote, lives in the body, which is basically a different way of saying right. A trauma is a dysregulation of the nervous system, and the nervous system spreads throughout the entire body. Right? We kind of know this. And so, how do we regulate our bodies, right? And then, how do we regulate our brains and our emotions? And then, how do we regulate and find um, co-regulation with other people? Um, in our lives, through through healthy relationships, through setting boundaries, and even through you know the other thing, of course, over these past few years is is through activism, is through um, you know the the search for justice and and group movements um, for for social justice that that's co-regulating <laughs> in a group to be you know in a beautiful way to be to be protesting for justice and also it can you know that co-regulation can also go really bad you know in terms of you know mob mentality and and, and that kind of thing but that there is all this healing potential there and building more resilience in our bodies in our minds and in our relationships and when we do that we can heal and grow in these absolutely incredible ways so that 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 started out as like a half an hour talk that i got asked to give at some company on like 24 hours notice and uh kind of threw it together and it went well and then it turned into more and more talks on this topic in the pandemic and i i do what i often do when i'm doing talks is it's like wait a minute i've now got a three-hour talk and if i write all this down i'm gonna have a book (laughs) so it became like okay now here's this new new book that i've written down in in my talk and it's actually i signed up to for it to be a short book like only you know 100 120 pages actually ended up of course being a lot longer than that but i i'm really excited about that this idea of self compassion and self care practices for post traumatic growth and it's it's coming out pretty soon it's going to be called how we grow through what we go through and um really integrates all of this science in all of this stuff about um you know, that, that mindfulness can be anything and anything can be mindfulness in a sense, or I think it'd be healing um, when we when we do it in the right way. And I, I wish I'd known more about EMDR, but I didn't mention it too much in the book, but um, I'm really excited about, oh, that's about awesome. that. Um, so that's awesome. So I think a- I
1: remember you posting possible covers to that. <laughs> yeah, I on probably, because I did media. not like the cover, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> my, my favorite one, I think was there, I think there was a plant growing through concrete and I was like, oh, uh-huh. that's fantastic. <laughs> I love that yeah. one. Yeah, so I'm excited yeah. for that to come out, too. Yeah. I don't know if you can see because it's kind of in the back room, but I, I set up my bookcase to I kind did of showcase happen to notice <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: showcase you, some of your books up there a little bit. Yes,
0: yeah, so you've got Alpha Breaths there. The other thing that's super fun is Alpha Breaths 2 is coming out um, any day now and uh, and that's a book for little kids just about making breathing fun and learning how to regulate our breath. Because really, as we when we can regulate our breath, right. We can regulate our bodies and our nervous systems and our brains and our impulses and our emotions and our, our reactions to things in really powerful ways. And, um, and with kids, I, I remember this kid many years ago being like, yeah, Dr. Willard, like breathing is played out. And I was like, okay, I gotta make, I gotta make breathing interesting. How do I do this? So, yeah. um, my friend Daniel and I, uh, yeah, came up with the alpha breast, the, the alphabet of, of, of breathing techniques. And so, um, where we're so and then it, it kind of took off actually in the pandemic so they they let us write a sequel which we're pretty psyched about um and a lot of it's also like you know my own kids came up with some of the practices in it and different places I've I've traveled. When I go visit a school, I'll often say, you know, like read some books and then like, who's got a breath they want to share? And kids will say, you know, here's the rocket ship breath and the astronaut breath, and they're making them up. And those all, you know, kind of went into the book. And so it feels like this beautiful group project that I'm just getting to share, you know, basically the, the work of all these other people and creativity of other people. So it's, it's been a blast to do that too. So,
1: yeah, I, I can't recommend that the original and I've already pre-ordered the second one. So I'm excited for that to come in. Uh, I use it with my daughter all the time, you know, birthday oh. breath a lot when she's upset, <laughs> because that's a visualized thing that she yeah. can do. And, um, obviously my favorite one is superhero breath cause you get to do <laughs> some posing totally. and you know, action and I got captain America shield. So add to it. And then, um, We made up one, she made up one was like the Darth Vader rep (laughs) that I thought was like really fun to do. Right. Awesome. Um, awesome. So yeah, it, it just bleeds into oh, you can play with it, and you know exactly. You know some some like silent breathing. We I think one of my clients came up with ninja breath, and because we've used microphones so much through telehealth, mm-hmm. it was a good way to pick up. Oh, how quiet can you breathe into the microphone without it making Ooh. a noise of yeah wrestling. So we we did that a couple of times, and so it
0: actually it's, is so funny in the Zoom world. It's like yeah, ninja breath really is. It's like takes on a different level. You can like the levels on the microphones over over zoom mm-hmm.
1: you know ninja breath's not quite enough, right it's like biofeedback already <laughs> totally, incorporated into, totally. yeah. Yeah. yeah so i i love that book and it you know it's a really practical book because kids love it and there's action that you yeah. can do with it and yeah i just showed my yeah, sister who's my nephew is really into construction vehicles so the excavator breath he was loving
0: that right yeah the new one it's like what do kids love it's like okay excavator breath we got pirate breath um surprisingly unicorn breath did not make it in which my daughter was very upset about yeah Um, she she was like no it's let's do like rainbow unicorn princess butterfly breath i'm like okay okay we'll see what we can do (laughs) but we actually wrote a third sequel um that's a counting book one through ten and so in the proposal for that unicorn breath is the number one one breath it's like you know um roll back your wings and extend your horn number one breath is for the unicorn so um
1: <laughs> hopefully that all that'll land at some point yeah so, i so. mean if we could figure out what a voltron breath would be i'd be all for <laughs> that because that'd be like combination you know? <laughs> It'd be fun. Well, you know, I, I, I I will say that they're,
0: you know, one of the apps, you know, um, that I've done some consulting for, they have been, you know, creating some, you know, transformers and other, you know, related content and stuff around, um, uh, mindfulness. So you never know what, what,
1: what might appear, um, (laughs) my nephew just got really, my other nephew got really into transformers and I bought him a, old school Soundwave for his uh-huh. birthday, uh-huh. who's my favorite trans, like as a little kid, it was all about Optimus Prime, but Soundwave yeah. as I grew older, was like, oh, that's a, that's a cool character. And he's got <laughs> a different voice and he's got little concepts that transform into animals. So it was yeah. always been yeah. a favorite of mine. Awesome. So Alphabet's two, T-O-O, right? Yes. Uh,
0: Which I also, like, I literally, <laughs> And it's like it's like the like ultimate like movie like like cliche like Teen Wolf two or something and like I just put it in the proposal as a joke I called mm-hmm. it Alpha two and then lo and behold like the cover comes out and it says Alpha two t o o and it's like I totally put that in there
1: as a joke I didn't think you were it's actually so fun though Alpha two t o o like I, I can't love that official name. <laughs> My favorite movie version of that is it's not quite that, but Die Hard 2 is Die Harder. Yeah. You know, it's like it's so corny, but it was like the perfect 80s kind of right. mentality. Right. We're but... showing our age with. <laughs> <laughs> I told my wife about it, and she's like, You must love that it's T.O. I'm like, Yeah, I do. I'd love any kind of pun ever. So... Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I'm super excited for that to come out. Um, <laughs> For both of those books to come out, I know you're always busy, always kind of thinking outside the box and kind of connecting this So I'm really excited for for all of that stuff and the programming you're doing and seeing you in space is going to be awesome. <laughs> we'll see whether we'll see what <laughs> for that. No, no, we're astronaut writing the new book, so <laughs> it's going to happen. We're going to put it out there. That'd be would be really funny. For, do you think you'd be the first therapist in space?
0: I don't know I'm curious about that there's like this whole world actually of like space psychology because like this woman from NASA like a year or two ago like connected with me on linkedin you know the the, the lamest of the social network. <laughs> um, and I was like space psychologist is that a thing she's like yeah no it actually is like there's so much psychology that goes into it it's like emotional intelligence because you're in this like little box with people. you have to know how to get along with people like you know how are people going to behave under extremely stressful conditions how are they going to get along with each other under stressful conditions like how are you going to stay calm like like all this different performance i was like i never thought about that i was like that's really cool and then didn't think about it and then ended up having this conversation a couple weeks ago that sort of started off i don't know we'll see mindfulness in space so we're not just
1: spacing out there's so many bad puns you can make around (laughs) the I mean, I feel like Armageddon in the movie would have been way different if there was a therapist <laughs> up there with them <laughs> there for yeah. and you know processing through some of this stuff. Right. Right. <laughs> but this is really exciting to catch up with you and see everything that you're doing and you know, what's out there and just how, you know, in in a time where things have been kind of shut down, you've been able to open up doors in different ways and make these yeah. connections with people and yeah, create ideas out there. So it's really amazing.
0: Yeah, it, it is kind of amazing, like what, you know, and, and I think of this this pandemic in some ways also as being this combination of like, you know, there, there are all these terrible things happening and opportunities. And if we pretend it's like, oh no, it's all good. Like we learned how to like, you know, be online and we learned how to do this, we learned how to do this more efficiently and that. It's like, if we just focus on the positive, like that's not telling the full story, right? Mm-hmm. If we just focus on the negative of all the awful things in this pandemic, that's also not telling the full story, right. and to me, that sort of is like the the macro picture of of this idea of post traumatic growth. It's like it's not pretending like everything's great. Look at all the great things I learned from this awful experience, but it's not pretending, you know, that it's that it's all one or all the other. It's like where can we look for, you know, okay, there are some cool things that have come out of this pandemic. Like you know, we're, we're on Zoom right now, and it's funny whenever I load up Zoom, it says there's that little ad at the top that's like love zoom like tell a friend 30 percent off it's like no none of us love zoom (laughs) definitely not the case but i think about just little things like you know like our family actually practices mindfulness together now a lot more like i drive a lot less i still do half my clients in person but half are online and that's kind of a great thing i think about that first halloween they did the candy shoots and i was like Let's keep candy shoots. I don't want to walk up and down the stairs every time kids come up to the porch. <laughs> this is great. this is easy. let's hang on to that. Right. Like there's there's amazing things we can hang on to. And when we look at where is there positive in the midst of all the the awfulness, it actually does help us to then see the potential of where can we find a cure, where can we find a solution? where can we do some growing? where can we make some positive changes um, which if we're only focused on the negative, we actually can't do. And so it becomes actually important to look for these little kind of green shoots or these shoots of life or like you said, the cover that got rejected, the little plant coming up through the crack in the concrete, (laughs) like we have to look for that because it actually then gives us the hope. It gives us the the perspective. It gives us the creativity where we can see more opportunities for growth and change and recovery and resilience and all these other things going forward
1: as individuals and collectively as, as a society too. Yeah. And that imagery, I think, is so uh, you see in nature all the time. Right. I think right. in December, because I am mostly telehealth, but have some in, inpatient, uh, not inpatient, in-person clients. Um, <laughs> Got a I lot was, of the patient ones too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was able to go down to Arizona for like a month and, mm-hmm. you know, counsel a little bit down there, but then have a couple of weeks to go to the Red Rocks and, and things <sighs> of this nature yeah. nature. And I can't tell you how many pictures I have of just Shrubs or trees coming like on top mm-hmm. of a rock or shooting through a rock, and I just have so many because I that's an imagery I love that happens in nature naturally, and so like very apropos to what you're saying. Third movie reference here, Jurassic Park, <laughs> Life Finds a Way, right? Um, <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, the, How many can we squeeze in? <laughs> oh, no, yeah, that's probably like five or six. I miscounted <laughs> the other thing. When you're talking about that, but I, it was just on the news the other day, and obviously it's a political kind of statement, but this push on education and how far we are behind because of COVID, this idea that we're so far behind because of COVID. And I was sitting there just listening to it and I was thinking, that's all just made up though, right? Like the metrics of where we have to get with education, this is just like a made up construct yeah. that we created at some point and. You know we govern ourselves by that and when you can sit back and see that it's like oh there really isn't you, you you know it seems like a really big thing but like if everyone is in the same place there really isn't such a huge metric that's being lost. Right. obviously there are some things right like stunted yeah. social interactions people really struggling with different learning styles and things of that nature but you know, I think that's something that we do really well as a culture in the United States is like, oh, here's this metric and we're gonna fall below it. And <laughs> right. no one's slowing right. down and be like, yeah, but we made that metric up. We can just yeah. adjust it, <laughs> right. change it and evolve with it. Yeah. And I, th- this comes up a
0: lot too. I do a lot of work in education. I think, you know, any educators listening, it's like, first of all, I just wanna say thank you to any teachers yeah, or sure. folks showing up or first responder, right? You know, medical folks um, over these past few years. Um, because you've probably forgotten a lot of those recently. Um, but this this idea of learning loss, which in some ways is real, and I, I but in some ways, it's also like, you know, I, I feel you know what i what I say to folks is like, look, you know, I do worry a little bit about, you know kids in early elementary, like reading there is a little bit of a window like that is important to get on top of. right. But otherwise, it's like, Facts and figures like the kids can like Google when was the war of 1812. So maybe this can actually help us to like not emphasize the wrong stupid, facts and figures in school anymore and we can focus more on you know the other piece of learning loss that's that is social and emotional learning that is like how do we get along with people that is how do we co-regulate with our classmates with our teachers how do we you know read social signals you know now that we're taking our masks off how can we read people's faces and how can we support people and how can we come together and how can you know older kids tutor younger kids and find these ways to to connect and build community and also regulate with each other and and learn these values that actually matter, besides what was your AP score or what was your SAT score or MCAS score. Here we are in Massachusetts, right? These kinds of things that are are so much less important to success in life. And especially when you measure success in life as like are you able to be happy and not hurt other people or hurt yourself right Right. like that that's you know that maybe that's what we can emphasize and not you know like just everything you know you can do with a calculator everything you can do with google um you know not that there's not massive amounts of misinformation online too but like that's a whole other podcast but but that there is some of this um that actually is more important we can reprioritize and i think that's also where crisis can create opportunity like can we slow down in different ways can we rethink education like no i don't personally think it should all be online but i do think maybe we can let go of some old models and we can find some new models for what matters to us educating our kids what matters to us as a society and what matters to us as individuals when we've been right. through hard things it's like i don't want to work so much i want to be home for dinner every night right. because i was during the pandemic like you know, <laughs> like
1: that's exactly.
0: that's really reshaped us, and hopefully we'll continue to in positive ways.
1: I love that. I I actually had a client who uh, just went away to college, and she learned a lot during the pandemic. Of she learned really well of listening, but also having the the um, text across the screen, and that mm-hmm. really helped her learn. Yeah. and so didn't want to stay home, but she found that if she could read as she's hearing, it helped her process and kind of take better notes and really ingrained in in her mind.
0: Absolutely. Or teachers being like, you know, saying like, you know, if you have a question, you can raise your hand. You can also just DM me and you don't have to feel embarrassed about not knowing the answer in front of the rest of your classmates. Like or I can DM you and say, I'm going to call on you. Here's the question. If you need an extra kid with lower processing speed, they can take an extra minute here's the question the teacher can call on the kid and they've already been able to process it and come up with it and they can right. raise their hand and be called on with the answer and they're not so embarrassed that they're taking so long to get to it i mean there are all these beautiful things that that you know can come out of this as well as it also totally sucking right like both of these can be true and i think with mindfulness or people that are therapists hopefully we can hold this complexity that doesn't have to be just this or just that and i think our society is so binary around politics around everything you know it's either this or it's this it's like no everything is more complicated (laughs) including this pandemic and the good things and the bad things about it and it's different for everybody right That that kid you know for that kid zoom may be great for those reasons for other kids it may be so hard and we can just acknowledge that it's we're all we're all different
1: and that everything's
0: got its pluses and minuses and drawbacks that's awesome
1: so chris any last words of wisdom gems of knowledge you want to drop on the listeners or (laughs)
0: I'm just excited to, to be here, to, to catch up with you, and, and hopefully I'll be out in Western Mass at some point. We can hang out. Um, yeah, that'd be awesome. Especially just talking about doing a talk out there, um, maybe this winter. But um, yeah, this has been fun. You know, if people want to get in touch with me, feel free to look me up online. And um, I'm not on TikTok, but, uh, you know, maybe I will be soon. And Not yet, is what I was <laughs> going to say. I got, I got sucked
1: right. into it, too. Cause... <laughs> yeah,
0: um, but, uh, yeah, stay in touch. Um, and, uh, yeah, look forward to continuing the conversation at some point.
1: Well, thank um, you. As always great to catch up and talk. Awesome. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you or someone, you know, would like to be on the podcast, please outreach to us at info at theprometheanproject.org if you want to learn more about the Promethean Project or if you would like to donate to our cause you can reach us at the theprometheanproject.org if you really do enjoy this podcast please share with your friends like our posts on social media on Instagram and on Facebook and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or any podcast app that you like to listen to Again, thank you for taking a listen, and remember that the most important step is always the next one.